And therefore, this morning, I'm going to fulfill the call on my life because a few years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, remember, you are an arrow, not a shotgun. So today, I'm not going to talk about the process. It's another message for another day. But today, we are going to focus on transformation from heaven's perspective. Because if we don't know our destination, we don't know how to get there. If we don't know where it is on the map the Lord is taking us to, we don't know how to get there. When you go on vacation, hopefully you kind of know halfway a little bit, maybe where you might want to go, sort of, a little. How much more is our spirit? spiritual angle important in our lives of having our destination. That destination is not laid out in our hearts by ourselves. That destination is laid out by Holy Spirit in the Word, in the Word. So please hear me this morning. I am all about process. I am so about process. I have sermon after sermon after sermon on process and suffering and brokenness and on and on and on and on. But that's not where we are today, okay? We're just going to talk about what did God say so that we get that out of here, firmly entrenched in our hearts, in our spirit, so that we truly know our divine destiny. Amen? And the, the other reason this message is so important is because Haggai 2 says, yet once a little while, says the Lord, and I will shake. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and all nations I will shake and the desire of all nations shall come. He says the silver is mine and the gold is mine he says, it's not yours, it's mine. It, yes, it's, that's not what it's about. But he does say then that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former house. And I want you to know the ecclesia in this day will possess, walk in, be drenched in greater glory than the church of Acts if we will obey and be obedient and lovingly surrender. That's a big if, but it is a real if. So Jeremiah 1.5, are you ready? Let's go buckle up. We've got a lot of scripture today. I'll give you the references, and Raleen is so kind. When it's all said and done, I send her my notes, and they will go out if you're on the email list. Bertie, why don't you give them to us before? Because you wouldn't pay attention. You'd read the notes and think you knew everything, just like I thought I knew it, and then the Lord said, no, you don't. I said, thank you. Jeremiah 1.5 very familiar, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you, and before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, this verse speaks from eternity's viewpoint. Amen? 
way beyond our earthly understanding. The truth of God that's tucked in here in this little bitty phrase is so far beyond our human understanding. We don't even know how to start thinking about it. And our biggest problem is that we do think we know how to start thinking about it. So that means that we don't know what we're thinking about. Did you follow me so far? In other words, out of your head, into the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. That's how we need to hear it. As Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63, for those of you taking notes. Or also, deep calls unto deep. Psalm 42, verse 7. So even for people that really, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't have any call toward any type of prophetic ministry. Thank God the world can't put up with a lot of us. And amen. Thank you, Bertie. Appreciate that. That was good. Okay. So, so, so there is something wonderful about being known. We all want to be known. If you don't believe we want to be known, just listen how many times we interrupt each other talking over each other. Why? Is it that we don't love the other person? Of course not. Is it that we don't care about hearing what the other person has to say? Sometimes, but we don't want to admit that. Okay. But the reality is we are talking all over each other a lot of times because we want to be known. We long to be known. Why do adopted kids go looking after their birth families? They want to be known. We, I'm adopted. I get it. You know, we want to be known. We want to know where we came from. We want to look in the mirror and say, do I look like anybody except the dog? I mean, really? The horse? Really? I, 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 not the chicken. Okay, not the chickens. We want to be known. And David said it this way, in your book, all of my days were written, all of my members were written when there were none of them yet lived. Out of Psalm 139, in other words, God knew us before we were ever conceived. He knew us before we were ever born. And there's something so comforting about that because if I know that way down deep in my gut I came from God, then I know that every human being way down deep in their core is wanting to go home to God. We all want to go home. We have this homing mechanism. Well, so far, okay, we're good with that because we want to be known. But then God says something else in this scripture, and it just really messes with our religious concepts. Before you came forth out of the womb, he said, I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. And everybody wiped their brow and said, whew, thank God that doesn't apply to me because I'm not a prophet. No, 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 that's not the part we're talking about. What we're talking about is that pesky word in there, that sanctified word. What is that? Come on, let's be honest. When was the last time you used sanctified in your normal conversation every day? I mean, we don't, what does it even mean, right? Those of us that have been around a long time, we think of sanctified, we go like all the way back to the 1920s. Farther, farther. Uh, can I meddle just a little? You know, sanctified, no makeup, no earrings, hairdos. 
Hello, am I, am I communing? You know, come on, we have these religious ideas. What does it mean? That is not what God meant. So why did God tell Jeremiah he had sanctified him? Well, you know, if God did something for us before we were ever born, wouldn't it be nice if we knew what that was? Because if he did it for us before we were ever born, then there is nothing we can do to make it go away, make it come, make it better, make it anything. It's the gift of God. So let's see. What did he say? You see, the word in the Hebrew actually means, I made you, which goes right into what Leslie was saying, I made you clean. I just want that to soak into some of us. I made you clean. I set you apart. I made you, buckle up, holy. I made you holy. How did God do that for Jeremiah before he was ever born? How did that happen? See, that messes with our religiosity. We're okay if God knew us before we were born because then I can hang on to all my old thoughts, my old processes, my inner self-talk that talks about how bad I am and everywhere I've failed and I can keep lapping Mount Sinai I'm going to meddle and repent over the same thing over and over and over and over when I really have no desire or intention of changing my pattern to walk in obedience. I can be comfortable in my old if I don't believe what God has said for now, especially when it's beyond my ability to comprehend. So God purposely does that, and he rattles our cage, and he says, I want you out of the cage. I sanctified you before you were ever born. Now, he said that to Jeremiah. Hello, Jeremiah was not born again. He wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah had never seen Jesus in the flesh. Nobody had died on the cross yet. No one was raised from the dead yet. He lived in the middle of a, of a situation and a circumstance. There was not one righteous person in Jerusalem because God sent him look and said, if you can find one, let me know about it. Hello, look at everybody here. We already outnumber the people in Jerusalem that God could find at that time. So, do you remember the old covenant? Holy Spirit, as Brett was sharing, Holy Spirit would come rest on people, but he didn't live in them. Well, Holy Spirit needs a holy home. Holy Spirit is looking for a holy home to rest in. Say it again. Holy Spirit longing for a holy home. So how could God say Jeremiah was sanctified? Well, you see, God lives where? I am God. There is none like me declaring what? 
the end from the beginning. He lives in eternity. He's not bound by time or circumstance or me or anything else. Now, look, we swear. We promise. Oh, no, I don't think I'm God. Well, apparently a lot of times we do because we believe ourselves above God. Hello? So let's trade out our thoughts. What is God saying? I live in eternity. I call those things that are not as though they were already done. From the beginning, ancient times, my counsel shall stand. And again, Romans 4, 17. Oh, I'm sorry for those of you taking notes. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Romans 4, 17. God quickens the dead and does what? Calls things that are not as though they were past tense and how about this one revelation 13 8 jesus is the lamb past tense having been slain from what the foundation of the world god is saying come up higher come up higher because what did God do for Jeremiah? He said, you know what, Jeremiah? I see you down there. I see you embracing Jesus as the Messiah when he went to preach to the spirits in prison. I see you believing him. I see you coming up, being raised from the dead with him. I now see you in the cloud of witnesses out of Hebrews. I see you, Jeremiah, and you know what? Before you were ever born, I knew you, I sanctified you, I made you mine. Now, if God can do that for Jeremiah, hello, why are we dragging our feet? Oh, well, he was holy. He was in the Old Testament. Aren't you glad you're not in the Old Testament? Now, you see this stuff up here? It's called a light bulb. Yeah. How about this stuff we're in? Oh, yeah, that's air conditioning. Yeah. Oh, I wish I lived when Jesus did. Oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. If you were lucky, you might have a donkey, maybe. Well, I don't know. Last time I preached, we talked about the Ferrari donkey, remember? So <clears throat> only one person remembers. That was Martha. Okay, thank you, Martha. Anyway. What is it that keeps us really from walking in our God-given identity? For most of us, listen closely, it is our self-imposed inner prison. For most of us, it is our self-imposed inner prison. How often has God called us to do something and we said, uh, yeah, right. And then that internal conversation took over. Now, don't look so innocent. I've been there a million times. That internal conversation, what if? Anybody ever dealt with the what if thing? What if? What if that? What if the other thing? Oh, my goodness. Lord, do you remember what I did, what I didn't do, what I failed to do, what I thought about doing. I knew, you know, the list goes on and on. Part of that difficulty is we don't even want to confess to ourselves, much less to anybody else, that we are fighting an internal battle. See, I want you to think, let's just, can we just be real here? I want you to think I'm spiritual. I want you to believe Brett's press report, which is only half true. 
The only true part is, yeah, I get up early, okay? Can't help it, it's genetic. I drove my parents crazy. And it wasn't just on Christmas morning, it was every morning, okay? I mean, I never got out of the wake up at four o'clock thing, okay? It's genetic, bing! Remember the old ad in the army, we do more by nine o'clock in the morning by s than some people do all day long? Yeah, that's, yeah, uh-huh. Are you up already? Yeah, let's go! I want, come on, let's fess up. How many, come on, how many people you want the guy sitting next to you, the lady next to you, especially your spouse? You want them to think that you really are spiritual, you know God, you hear God, you walk with God. I really want you to think I'm more spiritual than I am. Sometimes to the point, I don't even let myself have an honest conversation with me, much less an honest conversation with God. So how am I going to grow if I keep having myself imprisoned in my own internal conversation? Shall I give the altar call now, or shall we wait a minute? <laughs> so we have this thing going on inside of ourselves. But after all, we're good in the Word. We know the Word, right? So how are you? I'm blessed. <laughs> and inside you're going, it's a really lousy day. I'm going crazy. The bills are due. I want to shoot the kids. Keep the dog. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Murder is not on your agenda, is it? You know, it's when you look at your spouse and say, your son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've all thought it. Don't look so innocent. We've all thought that, right? Keep the dog. Let the kids go. Free to good home. <laughs> I'm the righteousness of God in Christ until I get home by myself. Yeah, right? What does the word say? The word says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with what? Unveiled face. Get rid of the mask. Come on, let's start with just at home by ourselves. Gazing into his, but we all with unveiled face. Yeah, gazing at him. Are what? Changed from what? What? Glory to what? Glory to glory, not glory to, you know, not stumble to stumble. I'm sorry, not hay bale to hay bale like at my place. Not stumble to stumble. Glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Well, how does it, well, it, first of all, we got to get the veil off, y'all. And if we don't get the veil off with ourselves, really, I mean, have you ever listened to yourself pray? It's really scary how we preach God's sermons telling him things he doesn't know. We're really good at it, too. And the longer we go on, the worse it is. I guess we've impressed ourselves, and God's saying, okay, yeah, I know that. I know that. Keep, dig deeper. Dig deep. What are you saying? What are, come on. Come on. Oh, they, come on. Let's get real. It's kind of like your kid that comes up to you. I know, okay, I got to pick on Chris and Leslie. Because, I, and Elijah's not in here, see, so we can pick on him, right? Perfect, right? So when Elijah's done something really 
really, yeah, okay, okay. Don't look so innocent. We've all been there, right? So Elijah's done something really, and he gets up to Chris and Leslie, and he's going, uh, uh, well, uh, I need to talk to you, Dad, but maybe we could do it next week. Uh, now, here's the catch, because they already know. <laughs> they already know. They're just waiting for Elijah to be honest. And the first person, and, and God bless him, tell, I'm not picking on him, okay? Y'all let him know, Okay. The first person Elijah has to be honest with is Elijah. Then he can be honest with Chris and Leslie. We are changed from glory to glory, but not till we get rid of the veil. And if you don't believe the veil has a million layers, you must be two years old. Because the longer we live, the more layers it has. So we're changed from glory to glory, and that word changed is the Greek word, are you ready? Metamorphosis. Anybody ever heard of metamorphosis? Caterpillar to butterfly? It's only used four times in the entire New Testament. One of them is there. The second one, think about it, is over in Romans where it talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That mind change is a real metamorphosis, a complete change. And in case you really wondered the law of first mention, the other two times, first mention, first mention, everybody ears up. And Jesus was transformed figured before them. That is metamorphosis. And so when he invites us to be changed, he's inviting us to share in his own transfiguration. Amen? So if that glory, let's go back now, if that glory, it's okay, I've only got 20 pages of notes, we'll be out of here by dinner. So if we are truly being transfigured Figured, it says 11.30, it's, I'm watching. <laughs> if we are, I'm sorry, Rebecca, you know I have to tease on you. <laughs> it's so <laughs> dangerous to sit on the front row. But see, I know if they're crazy enough to sit on the front row, I can pick on them. We have, we have a deal. Right? We have a deal? Okay. So here's what happens. We get transfigured. Jesus is calling us up. And so, what do we say? Well, I'm waiting on God. Well, I'm waiting on God. And there is a place for waiting on God. Usually God's waiting on us, right? Come on. Well, I just need one more confirmation. And thank you, Ray. Thank you. I need one more confirmation. Come on, Gideon. How many fleeces are we going to throw out? You're going to run out of sheep. Hello? The sheep, Gideon's coming. I'm going to the back part of the pasture. He's not shearing us. He's going to skin us. Well, I just need one more confirmation. They ate 
mutton for a year that year, Gideon needing confirmations. How many are we looking for, right? How often, you know, come on. I, I, I used to work with an old prophet. She's rolling over in her grave, and she, won't, she loves me. She won't strike me from heaven. She's already there. But I used to work for an old prophet, a real one, and she would always say, well, do something and see if God minds. <laughs> Get moving. Do something. See if God minds. Used to work with Judson Cornwall. He'd say, Bertie, it's always hard to turn a car that's not running. Hello? Well, I'm just going to sit here and wait on God. Well, you ever tried to turn that bus around when it's, the engine's not on? Move. Move. Do something. But what if I'm presumptuous? Well, you know, if I get out here and I get over the line and go, ooh, Jesus, I got over the line. He just chuckles and says, I've never rebuked anyone for having too much faith. I've never rebuked anyone for having too much faith. You got out here and you went, whoops, I think I missed it. Oh, I'm so sorry. And you're quick, quick to say, I'm sorry. Jesus chuckles. You know what he does? He moves the line. He puts it in front of you. He says, I like that. I'll just move the line for you. It's okay. It's okay. If you're not sure, step out. Come on, what's the worst that can happen? Boy, it got quiet, didn't it? I don't know. Let me tell you about the worst that can happen. What, you die and go to heaven? I thought we all wanted to go. Oh, yeah, but not now. Not today. Never now. Never today. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Come on, come on. See that? See how religious we are? We're just so stupid sometimes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, I want to go, but only on my terms and my time and when I say so. Yes, yes, God, yes. Mmm, mmm. Uh-huh. I surrender all. And while we're on that, I have a little caveat from the Holy Spirit for those of us who have ears to hear. Enemies surrender, brides partner. Selah. Okay. See, we're kind of like Moses. God calls our name and we give him the whole litany of why we can't. I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too fat, I'm too thin. Nobody ever says they're too thin. Anyway, I'm, I'm too much or I'm not enough. You know, it's kind of like the three bears. Too hot, too cold, nothing's just right. And that's how we are with God. How can we be changed from glory to glory if we don't even have the courage to sign up for the class? How can we be transformed if we don't even have the courage to sign up for the class? Once upon a time, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go to medical school. And I told him I thought he had lost his mind because I was in full-time ministry. And you never, how could God possibly call the great preacher? Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about brokenness, shall we? See, it's not important that I speak. It's important that you have an encounter, a permanent, life-changing encounter with Holy Spirit. And you know what? Hey, Balaam's donkey did a great job, right? So... 
God says, I want you to go to medical school. Now, this is like a six-month-long process, going on a year process. Come on, there is no way. Are you kidding me? God doesn't call somebody out of ministry to, men- to medical school. And he says, well, yeah, you do if you're God. Yeah. Hello. But somewhere along the line, I had to quit praying about it, and I had to go find out what, what did that even mean. I mean, you don't just go sign up. What did that, I didn't even know what it meant. Okay, for fun, when I went to med school, I didn't even know what residency was. And if you know anything about medical education, you know what a residency is. That, oh, yeah, that's 150 years they tack on out after med school. Yeah, okay, there you go. Just like with Moses, let's stop giving God excuses. There is, oh, he that has an ear. There is no limit to the growth you can walk in, in the Holy Spirit, if you will follow Jesus and let him do the work. I'm not talking about that religious woo-la-la, super spiritual thing. I mean the goods. Hello, the goods, the real goods. But for right now, Let's just talk about what do we do to enter in today. Oh, for every person here, today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Why do we relegate that to lost people? When people who walk with Jesus have some of the hardest hearts I've ever seen. Today, not next week, not tomorrow, not down the road somewhere. Today, will you hear his voice? Not Chris's voice, not Brett's voice, not even Bertie's, not Bertie's voice. Come on. Today, he's speaking today. If we will hear his voice, I can choose to not harden my heart. Now, see, God had called Jeremiah, and he knew him, and God has called us to be completely transformed. That's the destiny. He doesn't just want us to be his. He wants us to display his glory. He wants us to display his character. Now this, okay, here we go. This is the part that really messes us up when God challenges us to truly believe it. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, we are destined by the heart of God to be formed together with Jesus because where it says that we are to be conformed to the image of his son, remember that word we talked about, metamorphosis back there? This word is symmorphy, which means formed together with and demands intimacy demands intimacy 
talks about yieldedness, talks about oneness. We are called to literally be metamorphosed, simmorphosed in the character of Jesus and display his likeness. Now, Paul continues, you know, we love Romans 8, right? All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called, the called, according to his purpose, right? Except if you keep reading, it says, whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. What's going on? He destined you to be simmorphed into Jesus' image. You're destined to look just like Jesus. You're called into intimacy. You are justified by his blood. Everybody say it. Just as if I'd never sinned, which is what justified means. Hello, just as if I'd, oh boy, Whew. <laughs> let's go back, <laughs> just as if I'd never sinned. I told you we're going to talk about it from heaven's viewpoint, not ours. Hello, heaven's viewpoint, you are sinless, heaven's viewpoint you are clean. You are sanctified. You are holy. You are set apart. Well, I can't, I, I can't do that. I mean, if I do that, aren't I going to be proud? Oh, Jesus, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who what? Ooh, Isaiah 57, 15, memory verse. With him who is of a contrite and humble spirit. So, and he says, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Hello? Well, I want to be in heavenly places. Perfect, go low. I want to reign with Jesus. Perfect, humble yourself to death. I want to be transformed into his image. Yes, we do. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in what? The form, the morphe of God, did what? Humbled himself and became a man. So he steps out of glory. He becomes a man. Then he becomes an obedient man. Hello? But we're not done. Then he became a dead man. And let me tell you, the best thing we can do is we step away from everything we think we want. We humble ourselves and we truly embrace who he is and who we are. And then we become obedient and then we become obedient to death. And then what? Then we reign in heavenly places. Amen. So this change happens because the purest, just hang in there, this is not an easy message, but it is foundational. So I was talking to the Lord this morning, and I said, now, Father, I've got to get out the plow this morning. And I was a little bit bemoaning some friends of mine, you know, who their last thing on Elijah's streams had 150,000 views. And I said, oh, Jesus. He said, don't worry, nobody ever gets excited about the guy who pours the concrete. 
Hello, nobody gets excited about the guy who pours the concrete. But without the concrete, what kind of building do you have, Robert? Yeah, not very good. The purest form of humility has nothing to do with repentance. The purest form of humility, this transformation thing, has nothing to do with repentance. If it did, then Jesus could not have been humble because Jesus had no sin. No one was more humble than Jesus. No one was more righteous than Jesus. What is true humility that covers everything else? It's recognizing that God is who he really is and joyfully embracing our position as a created being to allow him to be all in all. And that has nothing to do with repentance. Now, does humility cover repentance? Oh, yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, burned several of them, and still have a whole closet full, right? But there's another level that sets us free to go from glory to glory to glory. So how does he make us holy? How does he really make us clean? Well, according to Jesus in John 17, he said, I sanctify myself so they may be sanctified. John 17, 19. And again, when he prayed, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So sanctifying this cleanness, this holiness, this thing, this destiny that God wants to take us to, God initiates it. God does the work. Uh, Kimber, John 17, 19. John 17, 17, 17, 19. So here's what's so much fun. Are you ready? Remember, let's go back to Jeremiah, right? Before you were born, I made you clean. I made you holy. I set you apart. I sanctified you. I drew you to myself, right? You see that word in the Old Testament is exactly the same meaning as the word Jesus prayed in the New Testament. So it all ties together. I'm making you clean. I'm making you holy. Remember, let me remind you, we're not talking about process. We're talking about destination, which takes an incredible amount of faith for us to begin to step in and believe what God has called us to do. But let me tell you, my precious, precious brothers and sisters, I have no right to sit here and tell you, you need to go out there and win souls until I know that inside the depth of your very being, you know that this is true. Because what are you going to do? Invite them to the same guilt trip you live with? Come on. If we don't even believe that he's done it for us, what am I telling them? Yeah, yeah. This is the concrete. This is the foundation. This is what God has decreed over us as our destiny. And why? Why is he doing this? Come on, God. I mean, can't we just like, you know, be little kids, just crawl up on daddy's lap? Only if you want to stay too. We want signs and wonders and miracles. Yeah, but we can't handle them yet. We're not mature enough. Hello? Because if somebody gets healed, guess who we're talking about? 
Robert prayed, and they got healed. Come on, hello? Grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up. God wants to give us signs and wonders and miracles, and he wants us to be so settled in this cleanness, in this holiness, in what he has decreed over us that we know better than to touch the glory. We've got to know better than to touch the glory. Then he's free to be himself. So that's where we are. Why? What is the purpose of all of this? Well, he says in Ephesians, the purpose of all of it is that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present us to himself. Who is doing the presenting? He is. Who's doing the work? He is. Whose idea was it? It was his. It was his. It's his idea. Well, I don't know. I just remember all this stuff I did. God forgot it. Are you sure? Yes, that's what the word says. And that's your homework. Go find that scripture. Come on, I have a lady that calls me every Monday night. She says, what does this mean? And I said, well, what do you think it means? Well, no, you tell me because I don't know. Now, I'm sorry, but I'm a retired shrink. <laughs> and I used to be, I, listen, y'all are, it's so blessed. I almost became a neurosurgeon and decided I wanted to be practicing medicine before I was getting Medicare. Anyway, so... I say to my friend who calls, what do you think it means? Well, I want you to tell me, hello, we've got to grow up. Quit being spoon-fed. Go find the scripture. Go look, go look, go dig, go dig, go dig. But it's so much trouble. Yeah, it is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're not going to ask her to preach again. I'm telling you. Yeah, we'll give him a couple of months. Maybe we'll think about it. All right. Dig, dig. Huh? Oh, part, there is a part two. I guarantee you. Dig, 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 dig. But this is my favorite show. Okay, guys, when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, I love sports. Used to. They're too twisted now to love. Y'all remember Monday Night Football? Yeah. Y'all remember the old Dallas Cowboys? Yeah. yeah. So, of course, Holy Spirit said, every night, 8 o'clock, that's our prayer time. I was 16. I'd love to tell you I was always obedient. The Cowboys always lost when I was not obedient. <laughs> I better pray or they were going to lose. <laughs> I'm the reason. Are you hearing? If it's really God, it'll just be easy. Yeah, okay, moving along. He wants to present us to himself. Now, he says that he's going to wash us with the water of the word. That word wash, listen closely, means to bathe the whole person. 
Now, I was raised Methodist, so we didn't get dunked. We got sprinkled. And I think that speaks loudly to how we walk with God. We don't want him to really clean out everything. We just want to get sprinkled. Because after all, if we have to get totally wet, that's going to mess up how we look. Come on. Let him have all of it. Just let him wash everything. He's, he wants to wash everything. Why do we want to hold on to a piece of mud? It's getting very quiet. Now, he wants to cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. So it means to bathe the whole person. But by the word, how many of us have read John 1.1, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was and that word is logos, or logos, depending on how you're told to pronounce it. But this is not that word. He's going to wash us with the water of the word, and this word is rhema. Rhema word. That, you know what that means, y'all? That's the living voice. So I'm going to pick on Robert. The logos is a blueprint. It's a picture it's a plan. It's an instruction book. Jesus was the blueprint, a living instruction book. How many times we've opened the Bible. I'm doing my Bible study. I'm going to check off this box. I'm going to do this, do that, do the other thing. And we are only reading blueprints. We never hear the living voice because we are not intimate enough with him to hear his voice. Well, what if I hear him wrong? What if it's the devil? Well, for heaven's sakes, y'all, we can't trust the Holy Spirit to help us know who's talking? I mean, we're in trouble. Really, I mean, if we can't trust Holy Spirit, it's going to really let you know. So for fun, who do I want to pick? I'll pick on Lisa. It's very difficult to be the pastor's wife. You do get picked on, but this is a loving pick, okay? So if Lisa calls Molly on the phone, does she have to say, Hi, Molly, this is Lisa. I'm your mother. I mean, duh. <laughs> Molly, do you know her voice? You especially know it when, it when she calls you by that middle name. Molly, so, yeah, yeah, that one, you know, you come here. Yeah, you know, come on. I just don't know if I'll hear the voice of God. Well, if you slammed your thumb with a hammer and you let out one of those words, do you think God would hear you? Yeah, of course. That's why you feel guilty when you do it. Well, how much more is he going to hear you if you say, Father, help. I need to hear your voice. Let me hear your voice. The living rhema word is what breathes in the written word and transforms us into his image. That's the destiny. That's where he wants to take us. And why? Because he said he wants to present us to himself a glorious church. Ecclesia. We've taught about Ecclesia. We definitely need to come back and teach on that again. Another message for another day. The term glory is not the term Paul used here. He wants to present us to himself 
as a glorious church. You see, he didn't use the Greek word doxa here. He used, are you ready? A word that says endoxos. That's your Greek lesson for the day. It's a combination of our word in and the Greek word for glory. Now, the Greeks, they had three words for in. One of them was like, I'm going in the building, and the emphasis was on the building. One of them is, I'm going in the building, and that word in, the emphasis is on the fact that I got out of my car. I mean, nothing like the Greeks, right? How many words for in can you have? A whole bunch, apparently. This word means a settled relationship of rest. A settled relationship of rest. The glory of God is in a settled relationship of rest inside of you. And his longing for each one of us is we will let ourselves have a true, settled relationship of rest in the glory of God. In doxos. So that he can present us to himself an in doxos ecclesia. Not out there somewhere. In here. You see, Jesus, remember what he said? I and my Father are one. He said, I am in you. And then he turned around and he said, you're in me. I'm in the glory of God. The glory of God is in me. But I thought he wasn't going to share his glory with another. He is not. I and my Father are and then Jesus had the audacity to say, the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Because he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. He didn't give his glory to another. He gave it to himself in the person of his bride. That's us. In gloried, in Doxos, in glory. I'm in him, he is in me. This is what holy really means. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because the earth shall be filled with what? the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How's that going to come? From the endoxos ecclesia. The endoxos ecclesia. And again in numbers, as truly as I live, you see he's going to take it up a notch, not just the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as truly as I live, the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord not just the knowledge. Jeremiah, put your name in there, whatever your name is. Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born. Kim, I knew you before you were born. Kimber, I knew you before you were born. 
Yeah, you too, Ken. Those of us who have been tossed around, we really get it. I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I made you holy. I made you holy. I cleaned you. That is your destination. That is where you're going. Today, today, if we will hear his voice, let us not harden our hearts. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.